tough. What does that word mean to you? What does it mean when we say things like toughen up or tough love? I'm Henry Rollins, and those old stereotypes of tough, like hardness, fearlessness, I don't think they quite fit anymore. For me, tough is more about strength of character than brute strength. It's progressive, not aggressive. It means standing up for what you believe in. Tough has evolved, and I want to find out how. This is going to mean having some tough conversations. And tough conversations are the kind we don't like having. It's the stuff we avoid, make jokes about, deflect. Well, not here. I didn't come all the way to Australia for that. In this podcast, I'm road tripping around having tough conversations with people about what tough means to them. No BS, just real talk. This is Tough Conversations, an original podcast series with Mercedes-Benz X-Class. I'm on a farm a couple of hours west of Brisbane, here to meet Dave Graham. G'day, g'day. Dave. You made it. Yeah, we sure did. How was your drive? Good? It was good. It was long. Yeah, it's a big country, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you I'm think getting, Texas is big? I'm getting used to that fact. He's a big strapping guy. Tall, tanned, killer smile. A possible Hemsworth brother. Took us quite a while to get here. It's not normally this wet. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to go somewhere dry? Hell yeah, please. Come on over. He greets me warmly and welcomes me to the 50,000 hectares of land that's been in his family for a couple of generations. So you were born and raised here? Yeah, this is, this is my country, essentially. Right. And growing up, what was this life like? Paradise. Perfect. Paradise for sure, but it's also the middle of the outback. And while it might be raining here today, this land has seen some serious dry times too. So serious that back when Dave was in primary school, a drought hit and things got so bad, the sheep started to starve. Every day after school, it was up to Dave to call the herd. At the time, the, the blokes of the farm um, didn't want to do it. Yeah. Because it was all too hard and, and you got to share the load a bit. And as a 13-year-old, that was my job, is to go down the paddock and, um, and, uh, and put the sheep uh, to a better place. And... Um, it's just how it is. Like you, it's not a way of going. Oh well, what a tough day it was today. It's just this is what you're doing that that's day. That's what you do. Yeah. So from the get-go, Dave was raised to be tough. It's the only way to get by out here. But growing up in the country was tough for Dave for other reasons. He's gay, and I want to know what kind of impact that has had on him. Just a heads up: this episode really is a tough conversation. If you or anyone you know needs help. Please see the show notes for info on who you can contact. Growing up here, did you ever feel any pressure or see that you were being stereotyped or that people around you were like, wow, we're all kind of having to hoist beers and be stronger than the other guy? Was there ever any kind of societal pressure, school pressure? Uh, the, from the moment I can remember. Okay. Yeah, we all sang, sang from the same hymn sheet and uh, there was no way that you would write your own song or sing your own tune. It was, everything was a set way. This is how we do it. End of story. What was going through your head when you saw your future uh, potentially as a stereotype? 
if I wanted to be a farmer, that's what I had to do. And that's all I wanted to ever be is to be a farmer. Like I, my country is everything to me. It's my soul. It's who I am as a person. So, you know, you go to, you go away to boarding school and you become a grammar boy. You, you play rugby, you sing your hymns and you get a girl and then you come back and have kids and you do it all again, repeat, you know, and uh, generation after generation, that's the way things are done. So was it a secret you kept to yourself? Absolutely. That's intense. Yeah. I, I was a very feminine-looking um, kid. I was a very, you know, runty kid. And uh, I've got five brothers. They're all huge, big blokes. And I was the little skinny runt, the youngest, of course. That's kind of what happens when you're the youngest. You're right. always the runt. And um, people were telling me that I was gay. I had no idea and I didn't have any concept because I was so in the mindset yeah. of what I'm told I should be that um, there was no way of me understanding that I am this disgusting thing in our culture. You know, when we're at church, we're told that being a gay male is the most disgusting, horrid, it's beyond Satan. Right. You know, and um, so there was just no concept of, um, of experiencing an idea that I could be that. So whatever I was feeling inside, you would just shut that down completely. So... When I was living that life through my teenage years and my early 20s, there was just no acceptance of anything outside the myths that we create around our roles and who we are and what we are as a people. And so what was the cumulative effect on you where you finally hit, there must have been some threshold where something broke. Yeah. And so can we talk about that when and what what happened? Uh, My girlfriend and my best mate, we went off to Sydney for a, uh, just to have a look. We just wanted to, you know, my mates were like, yeah, let's go. So we went down there and then, so, you know, one of those weird movie-like situations, some uh, model scout said, hey, I think you could do this. And two weeks later, I was in Europe modeling and wow. that was just really bizarre and weird. And suddenly that strange runty femininity that I had was, you know, was my meal ticket and, uh, I got exposed to the world that I had no idea that existed, you know, and everything that I thought was true was was not true. And the world wasn't such a bad place. And uh, I was meeting people from so many different worlds and cultures and uh, ideas that I was just like, what else is bullshit? So so can we go into that? Yeah. Uh, So I spent a year with the money I made modelling. I just travelled the globe with with my backpack and... uh, 80-odd countries later, I kind of flipped everything that I'd experienced and thought, hey, you know what, that that, uh, railroad that I'm on, that's that's not my tune and I'm not going to sing it anymore. I spent another another month travelling through Mongolia and in that time I met a uh, a, a herdsman and and I fell in love. And uh, so... What a great story! (laughs) A Mongolian herdsman! Yeah, yeah, That's a screenplay way to But, um, but yeah, and and we kissed, and uh, suddenly I realised that, um, this is, this is who I am. You arrived! Yeah. It was the most extraordinary experience that anyone could go through, because up until that stage, I had never even contemplated that I could be... Uh, attracted to men. Right. It had never even crossed my mind because that to me was the most disgusting, wrong, evil thing yeah. on the planet. And 
I'm not a sequin wearing, uh, cross dressing, whatever it was that my brain yeah. had been told what a gay person is. I wasn't that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to come with all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've, I realised that like when, when I kissed him, everything changed and everything that I'd found wrong with girlfriends and relationships suddenly was right and I was, I, I could come home, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he went through the same stuff, obviously, because, you know. Same kind of isolation. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I got on the, back on the Trans-Siberian Rail and then ended up back on the farm um, as a new person. So what was it like when you came back and you are, have found yourself yeah. and it, you are now well-traveled, yeah. you've really seen the world mm. and it obviously disabuses you of a lot of prejudices that you may have held for some reason, bad information before you left. Mm. Coming back to an environment where everyone is in that box now, what's it like going up against that? or trying to integrate in with friends and family community? Uh, well, I wasn't out uh, in a period of months of working back on the farm that I've got to get back into the path that was set for me. The concept of, of male Australian culture, that, that, that tough culture, it's so tough, it's a damn straitjacket. And so when you come back here and you have to go back to like putting that yoke back on, mm. how do you... How do you cope with that? I mean, was there a crisis? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I tried to kill myself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was totaled my ute and... Um... Well, well, tell me about this. I'm not trying to be morbid. <laughs> yeah. But at one point you tried to end your life. Yeah. What got you to that point? Like that you couldn't have everything? You can't have a, 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 a farm or a job on a farm and a healthy relationship with an, what you thought you couldn't have at all? Well, you go, okay, I've got two options. One is to, to end it so that my people don't have the shame because, you know, we all have car accidents, right? So you've got that option or you can go to the city and bring shame on your people. And so you are basically, as they say, taking one for the team. You are saving the dignity yeah. of your family, yeah. all your brothers and sisters, your community, by taking yourself out. That yeah. was the idea. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, thankfully, didn't work. Totally smashed my ute. Yeah, totally but, ruined it. Yeah, oh, but, but you... I love that ute. Thankfully, you survived. Yeah. And yeah, so crazy. Crazy. You came out of that. Yep. And after emerging from that, did that bring any new thinking? It did. It did, but it was still a long process. I mean, when you, you know, for 24 years, you are so programmed that this is who you are. There is no other options. Uh, yeah, so I just started to accept that, you know, maybe, maybe there is another way. And uh, the reason I was in Brisbane is because I'd been working on the tractor. It was planting time. It must have been February and we are cultivating. And I'd be on the tractor for like a month just cultivating, you know, 18 hours a day and listening to the wireless. And we've got one channel. And politicians at that time were talking about... Um, our church, which my family was a part of, having gay priests and how wrong it was. And then there was a movie coming out about um, two gay cowboys and we had politicians saying, there's no such thing, how disgusting, you know, how can Hollywood try and do this to our people, you know, and um, all of this stuff. And, and people who I lived and worked with, of course, were, you know, up in arms about this. And I, I just had a gutful and... Uh, and I chose to turn off my tractor, get in my ute and... 
I wasn't going to kill myself. I was going to drive to Brisbane because I wanted to be with gay people. Because, you know, I was just like, you know, this is bullshit. Yeah. Why should these people be able to control how I feel? Because I am a real person. And um, uh, I got there, got drunk, and on the way um, back after getting drunk at the pub, I saw these, these blokes bashing up a gay guy. They just completely embodied everything that was happening through my whole life of being bashed right through school for looking girly. And, of course, all the politicians and what was happening with the church. And uh, I thought, no, you're not going to do this. So I went up and confronted them and got them to calm down and leave the bloke alone. I'm like, you know, what? this guy's doing nothing to you. Just just leave him. And they were a gay bashing mob. And, um, huh. and after they'd calmed down and everything and the guy had got away and... Uh, I stupidly said, see, we're all mates. I'm gay and I'm not going to hurt you. And then that's when, you know, the blows happened to me and uh-huh. they kicked the shit out of me and thought that they'd killed me and um, just hardened my resolve to really change this country. It was 2006 and uh, what the hell are we doing mm-hmm. as a people? Why are we hating ourselves? You know, I can't change who I am. So everyone else has got to actually change because it's the hate yeah. And it's the bullshit that needs to be wiped away. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up going on a reality TV show and, and saying in the living rooms of two and a half million Australians that, uh, you know, I'm gay. This is Big Brother. I kind of came into the house thinking that, that this bit that you don't know about me is quite small. But, uh, however, in a normal situation, if I was to go speed dating, I wouldn't go speed dating when boys are on one side and girls are on the other. I'll be going speed dating when there's boys on one side and boys on the other side. It just gave me pure and absolute freedom. Mm. So your life has been this journey of standing up for yourself. Most people do not have to go through so much hell just to be who they are. Mm. I'm a heterosexual male, Caucasian American. So many doors open for me. We knew you were coming here, and they just—it's it, just such <laughs> yeah. a leg up. Yeah. And hearing your your journey, just the sheer toughness that it takes just to to confront a, a, a stereotyping that had you believing that you were wrong, and to be able to break free of that—that's not only a great story of personal emancipation, but uh, that takes some real guts. That's a, a whole other aspect of toughness. It's a journey that, you know, like I know that it took me a couple of decades myself yeah. to accept who I am. And so I appreciate it. that it's going to take others that sure. period of time. I would never have expected that our country from, you know, me getting bashed up in this capital city of, of my state uh, in 2006 to uh, here we are in 2018 and the people of this country chose to give equal rights to our tiny little percentage. I mean, those of us that are gay make up this tiny percentage. Those of us that are conservative gays that want to get married, um, we don't even register on the percentage of the population. And yet the whole population went out and voted and said, no, no, this is ridiculous. So even in rural communities, you were seeing a majority in favour of marriage equality. Absolutely. Well, look at that. Now, isn't that great? Good for you and good for Australia. Well, look, when the when the vote happened, I was at my mum and dad's homestead. I watched it live on TV and I bawled my eyes out. Yeah. And my mum came in and gave me a hug and my little baby nephew was there and 
I just really appreciated that moment. Marriage equality for Dave has been a real game changer. He can feel the tide turning. And I want to know how this whole experience, from being a kid raised on tough love to coming out as a gay man, has changed the definition of tough for him. What does tough mean to him now? Tough is my mom. Tough is every every female farmer in this country because they keep it together. And they look after the kids, they keep the farm running, they make sure that everyone's got a hot meal. Even though they've been working all day, they do everything, and uh, that's tough. And let me, uh, just to finish up, you're the runt of all your brothers? <laughs> yeah. Good grief, man. What, <laughs> what are the rest of them like? Like, yeah. bigger than you? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's tough country out there. That was Dave Graham. And you know, as I was sitting across from him, I noticed something. His smile. This amazing smile. No matter how tough the conversation became, when he's recounting something that was perhaps less than pleasant, he kept smiling. And that, to me, is a real wonderful toughness. I'm Henry Rollins, and this is Tough Conversations with Mercedes-Benz X-Class, the evolution of tough. It has the Mercedes-Benz design you want with the durability and backbone you expect from a ute. Come for the ride and follow my journey at xclass.com.au. And if you haven't already, hit subscribe to catch Tough Conversations with Mick Fanning, Adam Briggs, and more about what toughness means to them. If this episode brought up any stuff for you, get in touch with Beyond Blue at beyondblue.org.au or in Australia on 1300 22 46 36. If you're in an emergency or at immediate risk of harm to yourself or others, Please contact emergency services on triple zero.